Welcome to the Mindfulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Zwana. Let's get into it. Hey, hey, welcome back. Today I am doing a solo episode. Um, there was a little bit of a mix up with my recordings with my guests, but, um, here I am. (laughs) Um, I figured I would talk about some of the ugly parts about running my business. I've been dealing with some headaches lately, and I mean, the list can go on. Of course, there are a bazillion positives, but I wanted to kind of be somewhat vulnerable and share the real truth about what goes on behind closed doors. Um, You know, it's not always great and fun and, you know, the freedom and the success and the money and the traveling and the whatever. Yeah, it's all great. But there's a lot of shit behind the scenes that I have to deal with um, every now and again. Not to say that I don't still love what I do, but um, just to give you guys a little bit of perspective, I guess, um, on my life and my business, Of course, I'm sure these things are different and some people might love doing some of the things that I don't, but I figured I would just kind of dive in and give you guys an inside look of uh, what it's like being Alyssa's one I can running Nomad Creative. Um, So first and foremost, when you start a business, typically you do everything yourself. So I've been running Nomad Creative for the last five years now. I launched it in 2018 and... In 2018, like 2018, 19, I was pretty much the only one doing everything. So, um, from like accounting to project management to design, and then, you know, eventually hiring once I got to that point. But, um, I had some, some friends who were in the creative industry that, you know, signed some, some papers with me to join Nomad Creative. I plopped them on the website. I created a super professional website and eventually, um, you know, started doing some like outreach on social media, et cetera, and just, you know, connecting with my existing network. Everyone kind of knew I was studying design and graphic design and I had been freelancing in school. So when I uh, started Nomad Creative, I had some freelance clients that I was able to kind of like uh, bring through from there into Nomad. But all that to say is that I essentially did everything myself in the beginning. So, you know, being prepared to do that, it, it it obviously depends on how you structure yourself to start your business, especially if it's not your first, perhaps like your first step is finding the right people to fill the roles. Um, that's always great. I feel like if I were to start another business, I would maybe go that route because as much as I love having had experienced every role, I feel like I have a good understanding of what everyone does, how much time things take uh, so I could set realistic expectations. Uh, Sometimes things take way longer than they're supposed to. And I know from experience, if like I'm not an expert and I can do it faster than you, then either I'm being taken advantage of or the person doesn't really know what they're doing. So kind of being aware and mindful of, of things like that, I think is super beneficial. And then you get to a point where you have to really let go and hire. So another big pain point for many people, including myself, is the concept of really trusting. And since you've been the one, you know, doing everything from the beginning, now being able to trust somebody else to do it this with the same enthusiasm 
and effort as you. Um, people always say that no one will ever be able to run your business or do what you do exactly or just as well as you. Um, and that's something you kind of have to expect, but that doesn't mean that someone else can't just do it differently and still just as well. Um, if not better, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's possible at the end of the day, if it is your baby, you're obviously the one putting in most of the work because you're, I guess, depending on yourself. So there's a different level of drive, but I have encountered other people, especially freelancers who have similar mindsets because that's their thing is, you know, they're also seeking, um, work similarly to the way I'm seeking work, but in a freelance, like a freelancer is, is technically like its own little business. When you're a freelancer, you're looking for your own clients. You have your own clients. Um, sometimes freelancers also work for agencies, um, such as the ones that work for my agency. Um, so luckily they get clients through me, but a lot of them also are just, you know, doing it through their network or creating their own funnels and connecting with people at networking events and things like that. So letting go is a is a big thing and trusting you can never grow your business if you plan to do everything yourself forever. I kind of got to a point where I realized that I'm only making as much money as time that I have and you know I'm not going to charge a thousand dollars an hour. It's a little ridiculous and doesn't make sense for one person if that's you know eventually the type of money that I would want to make. So in order for me to monetize in the way that I want to and and grow, um, I had to make sure that I had a team in place to be able to support that growth. Because like I said, my time is limited. And also it wasn't really of interest for me to be the only person in my business anymore. Because there are you know, entrepreneurs who have very small businesses and it's them and maybe an assistant or even just themselves the whole time. And they're selling their time um, and, and that's great. And that works for them, but that's not what I'm interested in. I want to remove myself from the day-to-day operations completely, which is something I've begun to do in the last year or so, um, in order to have that flexibility to, you know, work on other projects like this podcast, um, which I've had the privilege of being able to start because of that. Right. Because at one point I didn't have the time nor the energy to be able to do something like this. So having a a team that really supports me, um, has been, has been, I guess, super helpful in me being able to go off and do other things like public speaking as well. Um, and just build a personal brand and not just my company and make sure that I kind of diversify my income. So there's definitely an adjustment period when you bring on new team members to support you. Um, hiring is hard, um, and really finding the right person can be a challenge as well. I've used LinkedIn jobs, Facebook group, Upwork, all kinds of things to find people. Um, and you never, you never really know if they're, if they're going to fit in a hundred percent, um, if they're doing like their best job or the best job for your company. Um, but it is important to onboard them properly and support them in what they need to settle in, which is something that I've kind of learned. Uh, I think in the first few people that I started to bring on more seriously, I didn't really do my due diligence on bringing on the right person. And so now my interview interview process is pretty thorough, um, 
I don't even want to say too thorough because I really, I believe in it and I'm actually going through it right now. I'm replacing two roles and it's been something else. However, because I've gone through so many different like phases of the interview process and like once it's all said and done, I will definitely do an episode specifically on hiring and what that was like and and the types of questions because I, I did things a little differently than like a traditional company would. Um, but I feel like it helped me get to know the individuals on a more personal level and also kind of test their skill set at the same time. So that's a topic for another day. But um, yeah, that whole adjustment period, bringing on those new people. Um, and then next is really just being okay with making with them making mistakes, right? Because I mean, you may not find the perfect person for the role. They may not tick off every single box, but you have to be lenient um, and also like allow them to bring their skill sets to the forefront. Um, not being so like set in stone on like what roles you need to have and maybe be flexible because some people are multidisciplinary and can support in many different departments, but also understanding that like not everybody can be an expert at everything. Um, and I think that's really important to note, like especially in the marketing industry, I feel like a lot of companies have kind of grouped together like graphic designer, social media manager, project manager, blah, blah, blah. like it's it's all kind of one. And honestly, I'm kind of guilty of that too. But I went into my hiring process of being like, this can be three roles, two roles or one role, depending on who I find, because some people can support in all of that, but like they're few and far between. And when you find them, it's great to have them and hang on to them. Um, but to know that that's not going to be their role forever and they're most likely going to branch off and specialize in one of those areas and then you could eventually make that role into two or three if you know you're grouping them together for whatever um, budgetary reasons for example um so i've definitely learned to be super diligent like i said in my interview process really make sure that the person that i'm hiring is here to stay, that they possess all of the qualities and skills I need for the role and, you know, being okay with mistakes being made along the way, because you can't be micromanaging people. They're not going to get everything perfect. Um, and you can't expect them to do things exactly like you're doing them. I think that it's really great to allow someone to thrive in, in, in doing what they do best and then supporting them in the things that maybe they need some improvement on. Oftentimes I like to hire people that have a skill set or a knowledge set that is greater than mine in specific areas, knowing that I could balance them out in the other areas, or I can find someone else to support them if that's not really like my role, but um, surround yourself by people who know more than you, but also, you know, I think have a certain level of knowledge on what you're hiring for, because in my mind, knowledge is power. And the more that you understand what's going on behind the scenes, the more just, I guess, like agency you have and grasp on your company as a whole. Um, next, I listed doing internal marketing and advertising. So Nomad Creative has actually not invested anything in the company in the first four years. We've been so blessed in growing organically year after year, doubling in business every single year, all through word of mouth, um, potentially through some SEO on our website, but like so minimal, like I've never paid for ads or anything like that. Um, and that just goes to show like the power of word of mouth and like good experiences. Every single one of my clients has either found us, you know, on social media. And a lot of the times they're looking at 
our reviews, uh, social media or Google search, um, because we have, I think at 40 at this point, 45 star Google reviews and like amazing, authentic feedback from clients that have like really gone into thorough detail on their experience with us. So um, I think that that definitely helps leverage our work. Plus we have a beautiful website and portfolio. So all of that helps for sure. Um, But now being the fifth year in and having made the conscious decision to scale the company, we are reinvesting back into the company, which is scary and exciting and yeah all of all of the things honestly um i've actually been working with a paid media team for the last few months putting everything in place so what we're doing is we're working on google ads so we're going to do um just like search ads as well as display ads and have those direct people to a landing page. And then from that landing page, people will have the opportunity to inquire and plug in their emails. Once we get them in our email funnel, then we ask them what types of services that they're interested in, whether it's branding or social media or website, et cetera. And then as they select and pick through, they get filtered through different email funnels. So they're only getting fed the emails that are reflective of the services that they're interested in. So we ask them, you know, what their budget is, and then we support them with an email of what they can get for that budget. Um, And then it kind of keeps going on until we have that that contact with them and we have all of the information of the services they're interested on, what their budget is, um, and then we set up a time to meet with them. So this is all being built out right now. And we're hoping that like starting July, it's June right now, like mid-June. So early July, we're hoping to actually get this out. It's been like two or three months that we're working on this, building it all out. It's been such a journey, um, a lot of anticipation. But yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, in this big investment, we'll definitely see a return. I mean, that's always the goal. Um, But with, with ads, you never really know, like, is the messaging effective? Is it converting properly? Is there something um, with our landing page that could be better formatted? in order to convert people. Um, The list really goes on. So the first few months is definitely a lot of testing. Um, I'm sure if if you run a business or have worked with a company that has run ads and you've overseen it, um, this is not news to you that it it takes time for these, um, these ads and analytics to really come in and settle in and for you to really get like a proper analysis of what's working and what's not. So um, that that can be a tough one, not always fun to deal with. Um, but hopefully I'll keep you updated once we do get the ads running. Um, hopefully our money just doesn't go down the toilet and we see some serious interest and return on our investment. Keep you posted. Another thing that can be a bit of a pain in the ass, but also keeps me on my toes is constantly restructuring. So, you know, when I started this business five years ago, I, like I said, was pretty much alone. Um, My concept initially was to have this massive group of freelancers and this, you know, incredible network of creatives that I would have already interviewed and filtered through. And then anytime a client would come on board, I would match them up with these freelancers. Um, And then it kind of evolved. And I realized that the more people I have to in my like network and to manage, the more difficult and challenging it actually is to manage (laughs) like 50 people. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. And as I continued to like, what happened was 
I had all of these people. And then what I realized is I kept going back to the same few to, to do the work and the services because like they understood our process and what we were doing. They also enjoyed working with us. So I wanted to provide them with like the opportunity and, and more work. Um, and eventually that's, um, kind of how we began to restructure is that instead of having all of these freelancers, uh, we've now created more of like a core team and leaned out the team. So, um, you know, most of our team members have been with us for several years, some since the beginning. Um, and we've really just like grown a great relationship and, and it makes, you know, both myself and them happy in, in, you know, what we bring forward, the type of work they get to do. Um, so that's been fun at least, but you're always on your toes. Like you're, you're always changing things in terms of like how you're operating. And then the same thing goes for like offerings and, and our packages and our deliverables and, and what that looks like. So, uh, you know, when I started being a smaller agency, not really having that much experience, you're pricing accordingly. Um, and then as you continue to grow, you realize, oh, you know what, it'd be great to add like this in a branding package. And like, hmm, maybe we should re like remove that. And perhaps we have, you know, more thorough questions, more, th more thorough, well, I can't speak, more thorough questions in like a brand discovery call. Um, so all of these little things kind of come up over the years. And as you bring on new people, uh, or as I bring on new people on my team, they're also, you know, bringing forth suggestions and ways that, you know, we can improve things. So always listening to that, adapting, changing along the way. Also, like you learn so much from your mistakes, like how many times, and that's a whole other episode too. Like I would love to just talk about like all of the mess ups that I've had and like how much money I like lost out on or just like didn't get because I didn't have like proper practices or structure in place to make sure that like I was going to get paid or there was some kind of like insurance involved. Um, yeah, it's a learn as you go type situation. Like you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I try and be as prepared as possible, but like having been doing this for five years now, I can say that even in year five, like shit's happened, things have hit the fan and we've had to restructure, adapt, make changes. Um, you know, the initial, like our service agreement has changed a ton in order to like protect us better, um, as a team and as a company, um, and even in the way like we onboard our clients and kind of flow through the process there, trying to make it a little bit more streamlined, uh, being more clear in what's included in the packages. Like before I was a little bit more broad and then clients were expecting one thing and then getting another. Um, and so I realized that there was like a, a miscommunication. You know, when you're doing something for so long, you kind of just think, you, you, you take it for granted. Like you think that everyone just like understands what you understand by reading something or a deliverable. Um, but then you come to realize after the mistake happens a few times that like, Hey, you know what, maybe it's not super clear for someone who's not in marketing, who is not involved in design, who doesn't know a thing about branding. Like let's be more clear on what that entails. Um, and one of the things I started doing actually, which has helped is that I used to just send my pitch decks to clients um, like that, like a big PDF. And it's a, it's a pretty hefty pitch deck, especially if they want to know about all of our services. Um, so what I started to do is I would go on like the key pages and record a loom. Loom is an awesome app that allows you to just like screen record. You could have yourself in the corner. So I typically like have a little video of myself and then screen share the, um, pitch deck. And I'll walk them through some of the items and deliverables. So it gives them more of like this insider 
I guess, knowledge of what these listed items really entail um, and something that would like probably doesn't translate as well in words. Um, but as I walk through the process, you know, and they have a visual and something that they can connect, you know, my face plus, plus a presentation plus, you know, everything that I'm saying, it just kind of makes more sense. And I've actually found that clients have converted more and really appreciate the personal touch too, especially if there are many stakeholders involved in the company. I'm not just like, um, sending this one PDF, it's like a, like this cold email to, to someone that I barely know I've spoken to for like 10, 20, 30 minutes. Um, and then them sending it to their entire team instead. Now they have a URL that can be shared with any stakeholders to be like, Hey, this is the founder and CEO of the company that we're, you know, looking to get service services from potentially. And so now what makes us stand out is that we have a video proposal and not just a PDF. Whereas from what I've seen and what I've heard, not many companies and agencies do this. So um, I highly recommend that everyone does because honestly, it's been great and really adds that like personal human touch. Um, and lastly on my list is the idea of not having a guaranteed paycheck from an employer. So this has been something that I've had to really come to terms with and be okay with. I think that especially in the first few years of starting my business, I was actually still working as a flight attendant for Air Canada. So I always had that kind of cushion income and then anything that I was making with Nomad was almost like extra, which was great to start. Um, because I didn't have to worry about like losing money, but it also depends on like the structure of your business. So most businesses aren't profitable in the first few years, but the way that Nomad Creative is built and especially it being a service-based um, business, I've always made sure and always have been profitable. So that being said is that whether it's my time or someone else's time, you always like upsell. So let's say I pay someone $50 an hour, like we charge more than that. So that whatever the difference is on the hourly rate that's being charged, that's the profit that comes into the company, um, which is, you know, that's the, the margin. That's how like typical businesses work, but being service-based, we don't have any product or inventory that we're sitting on. So nothing needs to be purchased in advance. Um, in order for us to make money, such as, you know, like if it was a product, for example. Um, now I obviously have expenses that don't necessarily bring a direct return. Things like paying for different apps that I'm using, whether it's email, whether it's, um, you know, a time tracking tool, whether it's a form tool that I use. Uh, what else do we use? Um, an email marketing tool as well. Like there's all these little monthly fees that add up like email, uh, social media scheduling, all of these things um, don't necessarily have a direct return, but it's a business expense. I mean, as you grow, you kind of need these things. When I started every single tool that I used was free. Like I found the free version. I used the free version. And only when I got to a point where I was like, you know what, like I would really benefit from paying, or let's say like I've reached a certain threshold. Um, and I'm like no longer in the free category, then like I would start to pay, but I've always been kind of smart in that. It's like, I don't want to spend money if I don't have to. And like, we can make do with whatever, like free, um, apps and programs we can use in the meantime, and then always make changes along the way. So that's always been my kind of way of doing things. But anyways, um, point being is that you, you know, running a business, you're not like, you don't have that guaranteed paycheck. Um, 
and, you know, removing myself from all key responsibilities and making sure that like the right players are in place for my company to run without me, um, has been like a big, a big thing that has changed the way that I make money too. So I don't know if that made sense. Okay. I'm going to backtrack. So I've been, because of the way I've been restructuring my business, the way that we make money has changed. So like I said, when I started off, like it was a hundred percent sure that like I was going to make money now we're investing. So there's that, um, you know, you're putting more money back into the business, hoping to get a return. So there's no direct guaranteed return on that investment. Plus I'm also paying the team that's setting up all of those things, which is another expense. Um, And so even though this year I've technically made the most money I have in the last five years, my expenses, my expenses have also been at the highest they've ever been. Um, So there's always a little bit of stress involved when you don't have that employer giving you that guaranteed paycheck. And, you know, I've been running Nomad Creative for a few years now without any secondary income. Like this is my primary income. Um, And so I've definitely, you know, gotten to a point where I'm comfortable and and I don't necessarily have to worry about money, but this year it being such a pivotal year and us reinvesting back into the company, it's like ooh, it's a lot going out and it's it's a it's a pill to swallow. It's quite a big pill to swallow. But we're manifesting an epic return. That's we're putting it out there. Um but just to say that that's like something that I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs um deal with with that you know is kind of like the fear of where is where is my money coming from not knowing when you're going to ne- land the next client etc 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 but yeah um i think i think that's all i got to say for now i hope this was somewhat insightful for you guys um the ugly parts about running a business not always so fun but i think we found a little sunshine in each of these not so bright parts if you will. Um, yeah, I never know how to end these things. I always feel really awkward at the end of these podcasts. I'm curious to know if you've made it to the end of this podcast, number one, and number two, if you've been listening along, like what, what have you loved? What have you hated? (laughs) Let me know. DM me on Instagram at the mindfulpreneur podcast. Um, if you love it, reviews are great. If you don't love it, maybe don't put a review and send me a message and be like, Hey, yo, I think you can be much better at doing this. Or I would love to hear that. Or you should interview this person, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm still kind of getting a hang of it, but it feels good. And I've really been loving it so far. And I hope that you guys have been enjoying it too. All right. I'm going to leave you at that. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, a review would be much appreciated. This podcast is brought to you by Nomad Creative. Visit nomadcreative.com for all of your marketing, branding, and social media needs.